Welcome back to Dead Men Talking. I'm Arnie Harper. Buddy Johnson. Buddy Johnson. My man. <laughs> so, uh, good to see you. Good Great to, to be you with here. you today. Um, so, we're going to, we're kind of, this is our first time, we're going to uh, do part two of the previous episode where we've been talking about temptation. Two, dose, or de, depending on where you're from. That's correct. The uh, you had made a comment at the end of that last episode um, about the, the struggle we kind of had gone through. That hopefully it sounded smooth and you know all that kind of podcasty stuff, but it really was a, a struggle. I I didn't make that comment then, but I am going to on today that. Uh, this has been the hardest, most difficult episode. These two, oh, well, hopefully to the, today's won't, but yeah. the previous one was by far the hardest episode we've uh, tried to produce, right? Yeah, uh, bizarre. I mean, you can't think of it any other way than a spiritual battle. Uh, you know, and again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give power to the forces of darkness when. Sometimes, you know, my mind can become cloudy and confused. But uh, but even in that, there is certainly a spiritual battle. And the devil doesn't want us to deal with temptation because that's his greatest means to get us to sin, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. His, that's, his, that's his playbook to get us to sin. And that sin keeps us, keeps the lost person out of a relationship with God and, and mars the fellowship that we have relationally with God as Christians. Yeah. Well, let's launch right in. If we maybe, uh, well, let's take just a quick minute and kind of catch us up on what we talked about the last one, and then we'll launch right in and finish this conversation on this episode. Yeah, the last one we talked about just beginning in Genesis 3 with the original temptation there in the garden. And um, to start from the point of a relationship where, you know, we want to walk in relationship with God, Adam and Eve had that beautiful relationship with God walking in paradise. And yet he had this one directive, uh, this one opportunity uh, for them to demonstrate trustworthiness, faithfulness, devotion back to this God who'd given them so much. Uh, and the devil comes and he tempts Eve. And he does so by appealing to some things that that are still being appealed to us in temptation that we want to look at uh, to kind of learn to safeguard against. One is uh, he excites in her envy and entitlement uh, when he tells her, you know, look at that, look at this fruit. Uh, surely God wouldn't want to keep something so good from you. And God knows stuff that you don't know, and he doesn't want you to know it. So he excites envy and entitlement. You know, did he really say you couldn't have it? Uh, because he's afraid you'll be like him. Uh, feelings of morality, this idea that you'll know right and wrong. Uh, so that is one of man's most wicked desires, that I will set my own compass as to what I think is right and wrong, what I can do and what I can't do, uh, and still be considered good and moral. Uh, then the idea that we'll have power or control, you will be like God. Uh, God right now holds all the cards. Uh, shouldn't you have some too? Uh, so that you'll have power and control when we know that we don't have any power and control over our lives. But that, again, that mirage that is so enticing to man. So now you have these these parts of, of temptation fathered by you can't trust God. Uh, God has said something, but can you really believe what he said? Can you trust his word? And the devil does that by twisting scripture. So we we looked at how this uh, this baseline of temptation 
kind of is formed, if you will, as we see that account play out in the garden. And we know what happened. Uh, it was very effective. Eve bit, if yeah. you will, no pun intended. Uh, Eve bit. And so the temptation moved from temptation to sin. He knew how to appeal to her. He appealed to the base parts of her humanity, uh, and he tempted her in such a way that she ended up falling into sin. Not falling. She she walked into, yeah. she chose sin. Yeah. Uh, and and where we had ended on that was we uh, we were really talking about how the gravity of that twisting of scripture, the twisting of what God said, what God meant, um, uh, distorting God, yeah, and and how uh, how effective and dangerous that is. So, where are we going to go from here? Yeah, um, we're going to look at the source. Uh, we'll see where the actual temptation arises from. Um, we've already talked about the devil, uh, but there's also a source within us and the world and how these temptations come. And then hopefully, not hopefully, we'll look at the answer that God gives us uh, of how to deal with temptation and, and and why we can why we can face that and expect, not just possibly have, but to actually expect victory over that. Oh, okay, great. So the source... The devil, obviously, we see that. We saw that in the garden, right? He comes, he twists Scripture, he deceives, he appeals to the to the base parts of man. Um, but an, a source that plays along with that is actually us. In James chapter 1, verse 14, uh, depending on your translation, one says this, temptation comes from our own lusts, which entice us and drag us away. So what you have is this thing within us. When the devil was appealing to Eve, so the devil is a source, right? He's the great deceiver. He's the liar. He's the accuser of the brethren. He, he appeals to these things, but things that are there. And now this side of the fall, this side of the curse, uh, even more so, they're more alive. They're more vibrant. They're more bent on self. And so we have these desires within us, all the things mentioned with Eve, and you could we could name them forever uh, what they are individually for each of us. So we have these desires. Well, temptation is there. There is this internal aspect of temptation. Maybe if you could think of it this way, uh, we are constantly tempted from within ourselves. Uh, to satisfy the self, the old man, the flesh. And so the devil is appealing to that, but we're really tempted. He could do that until he was, to use an old-timey phrase, blue in the face, right? <laughs> you lose the red, turn blue. <laughs> blue in the face, and it wouldn't matter except that there is this thing within us that wells up and says, yes, right. yes, It's yes. already in there. It's already the desire, the, you know, is, is already there. So he's just tapping in, pointing it out, reminding, maybe even revealing that to us uh, to grab it and run with it. Exactly. And we, you know, we are so quick to blame the devil. Yeah. You know, the devil made me do it. The devil, the devil, the devil. Uh, the devil has no power, even over a lost man, other than what is conceded to him. Now you could argue he's more persuasive to the lost man. He's all those guys. yeah, but but you get the point, right? I mean, uh, it is that thing within us. So there is that source that is inside. Uh, temptation can come in a couple of ways. There is the external presentation. Uh, that's what the devil does, right? 
He presents something, and the world does also, which we're going to talk about in just a second. So he presents something, but then there is that internal thing in us, not the external presentation, but the internal agreement that then draws us toward the temptation that will lead to sin. It looks really good. The words enticing there is like a picture of a bait, you know, like a fisherman that's dangled a fish. I think one time in in preaching about this, I said, you know, if you can imagine, this is a very uh, childish, sophomoric kind of way to look at it, but imagine, you know, you're starving and a big helicopter flies over with a juicy steak dangling on a hook. You know, that's obviously pretty... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty weak, but imagine now to take that to another level. Imagine the stake being something that you are drawn to, you as an individual, that you are drawn to, that you know, drawn to partake of in a way that's outside the bounds of God, that that you know is wrong, yet it's dangled there in front of you. It, it's it's enticing you. So there's that external factor of it. But it's the thing in you that wants it. Right. If it wasn't there, the the dangling wouldn't even matter. Exactly. Exactly. So now it's not just us, but it's also the world. Um, the world tempts us. Looking at First John chapter two verse sixteen, it says this: For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. So you have Three categories there of appeal. Now, again, there's all the stuff that we talked about with Eve, the idea of envy and entitlement, uh, more my feelings being my morality, the idea for power, all those things. Uh, but the world appeals to the flesh, the lust of the flesh. That is to satisfy the senses in a way that's outside of Scripture. So the world says... This will feel good. This will taste good. This experience will satisfy your senses. And and it promises so seductively. Uh, We've been looking at Proverbs. We're going through Proverbs right now. It's pictured as the seductive woman that calls out from her front porch or calls out from her balcony to try to seduce you in. And, you know, the picture there is not just of, of some, pardon my language, skank. Uh, this is, this is, a, this is a, wow, that's an 80s term, isn't it? Uh, it, it is a, a beautiful, seductive woman who has rottenness in her bones and darkness in her heart. But sensually to the eyes, sweet perfume to the smell, to the touch or the or the promise of touch, all of those things seem wonderful to the senses. And so there is that level of the lust of the flesh. Here's and here's a way to maybe, and we're going to talk about some application in a minute, but one of the things that I think I wanted to share about this aspect, the lust of the flesh and the draw to that. Here's a, here's a good way to test it. Any way that you're going to please your senses, your eyes, your ears, your taste, your touch, any way that you're going to please your senses, here's an easy test. Can I praise God for this? That's interesting. Can I praise God for this? So I put a bite of food in my mouth. Can I praise God for this? 
on the 75th bite of food in my mouth. <laughs> on the, the last bite of that half gallon of ice cream. Yeah. Can I, <laughs> can I praise God for this? To touch my wife in a sensual way. Can I praise God for this? To touch a woman who is not my wife in a sensual way. Can I praise God for this? Right. There's an easy test for that one. Can that I, is. Can I praise God for the way I'm expressing these senses? Really good. Really good. A second one is the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Well, that has to do with our desire to accumulate, to have material possessions, uh, to conquer things, to gain control, uh, to have stuff. And so our eyes are always wanting more. You ask, it, it struck me as funny one time, somebody asked a millionaire, and this is cliche also, but uh, ask a millionaire or a multimillionaire, uh, how much more, how many more dollars do you think you need? And the answer was one more. <laughs> I, need, I need one more. I want one more. Uh, and that's the way the eyes work. You know, the the parable of the man who, you know, he stored up all of this stuff and he, and he just gathered and gathered and gathered. I mean, the idea of gain to have, to, to store, to sit on it, to, to have control and to have all of those things. And so the lust of the eye. So the devil says, satisfy your senses or the world says, satisfy your senses. Here it is. Come and play. What, happens in Vegas, what happens in world will stay in world, right? You don't, you don't, it doesn't have any impact on your eternity. Uh, you need stuff. You want stuff. Look at what your neighbor has. Your neighbor has that car. You need one like it. Your neighbor has that house. You need one like it. Um, and so there is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And then there's also the pride of life. Uh, that is to want to get credit for, uh, to be respected, to have uh, a claim that you, uh, that you are the one. So we see some of those things reflected in Eve, right? The lust of the flesh. This food will taste good. That, that's pleasing to the eye. Uh, this will be something that you will gain from, that you will acquire something for. And the pride of life, you know, you deserve to have all of these things and to have control over them and because you can be like God. So the world, now we have the devil, right? So he's, he's seducing, he's twisting scripture, he's bringing all this stuff up into our face, he's carrying it right before us. And the world is saying, okay, here's the stuff, devil, that you can use. You can use this to get after their flesh. You can use this to get after their uh, eyes so that because they want stuff. You can use this so that you can let them think that they're so important, and here's all the stuff, devil. And then the terrible part is there's this thing in us going, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that looks really good. Yes. And so now we have this arena of temptation that is threatening to bring us into sin that will hurt our fellowship with our Heavenly Father, with Abba, Daddy, Father. Well, that's the that, that is the ultimate goal of temptation is to lead us to sin, the one thing that would separate us from God, right? Right, exactly. That's the whole purpose of temptation. Yeah, and, and to cause that brokenness uh, in, in, in fellowship with us. Uh, but also, you know, there's a bigger picture. You know, unless we get too caught up with the, what it does to us, there's the bigger picture is that it distorts our reflection of who God is in the world. You know, we're designed when that when as image bearers, when that image is restored at salvation, 
You know, that image is marred and, and darkened and dimmed so that it doesn't reflect very well as we're lost. When we're saved, we are created then to be image reflectors again so that the world gets a right picture of God. So not only does it hurt our fellowship and cause us to stumble in that and not enjoy that to its fullest, it also causes us to not be able to be good reflectors of the glory of God. And that's ultimately what the devil, the devil wants to destroy us, but he is far more bent on dimming the reflection of God in the world. Yeah. And so, you know, I've probably been talking too much just on those, but know that the ultimate goal that he has is to, is to cause a distortion of who God is in the world. And if he can cause us to reflect a distorted light, then then that's that's what he's ultimately asking. That's really interesting. Uh, and in talking about that, it almost, uh, yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal is to, to hurt God. Right. Exactly. Destroy God. We being the image bearers, yeah. uh, you distort that, you've distorted the image of God, who God really is. Yeah. And really and, interesting. And we miss so much. So, so what is the answer? Um, well, here's the first thing we take great comfort in this. Uh, God understands. And and by God, I'm talking about the person of the Trinity that is Jesus Christ. Um, he understands on two levels. He understands because of his divinity. He is God, right? <laughs> so there's nothing, you know, you're not going to sit God down and go, God, let me tell you what temptation's really like. <laughs> he knows because he's God, but he also knows because he took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and he lived on this earth and he and he faced temptation. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says for we do not have a high priest that is Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So the idea of external presentation, the idea of the devil and the world coming together, this this here's all of this stuff and the devil bringing all of this stuff at Jesus, he was presented with every, I mean, imagine that. I don't know what percentage of temptations in the world I've been faced with, but I know this, it ain't all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, in the way that the devil and his forces, and by the way, Jesus is getting one-on-one -on -one attention from the devil himself. Uh, I've probably got some low-ranked, lazy, procrastinating demon from the, you know, I mean, God says, that's all we need for him, you know, or the devil says, that's all we need for him. Just, you know, get Joe off the couch and send him up there to mess with Buddy. That's all it's going to take. <laughs> but Jesus had the devil himself and was presented with every temptation possible. And whether you want to couch that in terms of, well, he's talking about type of temptation or in principle, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's everything. All. It's everything thrown at him. And so he understands that. Now, that comes to fruition after his baptism when he goes into the desert, right? Uh, and in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, there's, there's multiple accounts of that. But in, in the Luke uh, 4, 1 through 13 account, uh, we get the same order, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Uh, so I, I've, I've always found that to be very interesting. So the first thing the devil says, you're hungry, right? Right. And here, 40 days. Here, you got to be. I, by the way, side note, can you imagine not eating for 40 days? I have a hard time going 40 minutes without eating. So 40 days. Yeah. But so, you know, 
and again, here's here's the point. The reason that we fast is to is to set aside a basic physical need for the express purpose of allowing us to be in more deeper spiritual communion with God. So God the Son goes out into the desert, and he's not trying to do some David Blaine magical trick. He is setting aside the phys- the needs of the body, which he was fully man and fully God, right. setting that aside so he could have sweet, interrupted spiritual communion with the Father. The devil, ignorant of that because he he, he can't fathom that. That's not the, the way his mind works. He comes and goes, you're hungry, right? You see those rocks? You can turn them into bread. Turn them into bread and eat. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, that's not the kind of bread that I need. <laughs> the Word of God. That's how I live. So he turns him away with a right interpretation of Scripture. But there's the lust of the flesh, right? Fulfill the needs of the body. you got to be hungry. you got to be hungry. And all you have to do is turn those rocks into bread. And you can eat. Um, and again, if you think about that, that seems, okay, 40 days, 40 days, the body is screaming. Yeah, and all the, has, a real human body, right? Yeah. and all he it's, has to, it's wanting food. Yeah, and all he has to do is bread. And there it is. By the way, he could have made it a seven-course meal. Right. And have to just have bread, but there's bread. So he faces that and he answers it. Uh, the second one, uh, the kingdom and authority, the lust of the eyes. You know, he says, look out throughout all of this. You know, see, it takes him to look out over all the kingdoms of the earth. He goes, you can have those. All you have to do is worship me. Just, just, just bow right there. Bow to the world. Bow to my ways. Bow to this enticement. Bow. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. What does he do? He answers with Scripture. So that's the lust of the eyes. Here's everything. You can have it all. You can have it all. We'll worry about eternity later. (laughs) You can have it all right now. Right now. And he uses Scripture. and And then he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, jump off. Jump off. God will take care of you. You know, uh, take your own life into your own hands. You know, do it your way. Trust that you're so important to play on that. And Jesus says, no, that's not That's not who, who I am with my Father. Father is the most important. And while he would protect me, why would I dare mock him in what he's in in his care for me and, and act in that way to take my life into my own hands as if the pride of life. And so get thee behind me, Satan. He casts him away and he faces that temptation. He faces all three of those, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And what does he do? He answers with scripture. And then um, in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, Jesus is in the garden. I think this is the pinnacle of the battle with temptation. This is where this is where we see it. Jesus takes his disciples and he says, I want you, 
not to fall asleep. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that you won't be tempted. And then he goes into the garden and he prays this prayer. He says, Father, if there's any other way, uh, let this cup, this hour pass from me. And he prays in such a way that the account in Luke tells us that there's such stress that his sweat, that he literally sweats drops of blood. Now, you know, I've heard sermons and so have you about how, you know, under great duress, the capillaries and the, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, that, that I guess that has its place. But the point is there's this incredible pressure. Um I almost hesitate to go into this with you, and I talked about it, but I, because I think it's important and it illustrates what we're really dealing with. When Jesus is praying, Father, let this cup pass from me, I don't think he's talking about the cross. That's That's been kind of interpreted that way many, many times. This idea of Jesus is sitting there praying, okay, God, I don't really want to go to the cross, but if you want me to go to the cross, I'll go to the cross. I'll do it. <laughs> That, to me, has never made any sense. Before eternity began, Jesus had already determined that he was going to go to the cross. When he comes to earth and he starts to reveal truth to his disciples, he tells them the whole time, I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to rise from the dead. This is what I'm going to do. That, that's why I came to earth. Since eternity began, this has been the plan. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. He goes, you know, he even says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Right. When he has the audacity to suggest that that's not what should happen. And so he, he's praying this, and I don't believe in any way he's praying, Lord, take me away from the cross. Right. Because to me, that would also be doubting, right? It's not like this is a surprise. It would be doubting. And the Bible says that which is a, a, the doubting of a way is not a faith. And that which is not a faith is sin. And so Jesus had planned this. So what was he praying? I think he was praying to be delivered from that hour of temptation. Because <laughs> he tells the disciples, will, will you uh, drink of this cup? You know, when they... He says, you will drink of this cup. Well, the disciples can't. They might They might be martyred. Most of them were. Right, but they're but not going to. They're not going to save mankind on the cross. Right. They can't drink that cup. Only, only the Son of Man, only the Son of God can do yeah. that. And so the point in all that and how it pertains to this is that what I think is, is happening there is Jesus is praying, Lord, I want to get past this temptation. I want to get on to, to the fulfillment of the relationship that you and I have and what we've determined to do. Let's. I, I want to move past this. And he goes back and tells him, he wakes him up, hey, pray so you won't be tempted. So you won't be tempted to try to take this into your own hands, to do it your way, to circumvent the cross and to do it your way, which is the whole sin we saw back in the garden, right? Yeah. And so what happens? He wakes them up. He says, okay, wake up now. It's too late. They're here. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say it that way, but, you know. And then, what, and then what does Dumbo Peter do? He pulls out a sword, and he's going to take it into his own hands. Yeah, he fell gonna, asleep instead of praying to not be tempted, and so he's going to try to stop the cross. He wakes up and runs and with cuts a drawn off, sword head on into temptation. And cuts off Malchus's <laughs> ear. Poor old, well, I can't feel too sorry for Malchus. He's with the unruly crowd, right? And he's falling, he's running around with Judas. So we don't, right? We're not too concerned about him in that way. Um, but Jesus, what does Jesus do? He picks up the ear 
and he heals that. <laughs> Stop. That's enough. Stand down. This is not what we're going to do. I've come for this is what I've come for. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. I told you to pray, and so you wouldn't be tempted to act this way, but yet you did. And so he he goes. So what I think that says to us is what we're really up against when it comes to temptation. The the idea of circumventing the cross that God tell, told, tells us to pick up daily as we follow him, to circumvent God's ways, to circumvent grace even, that we're going to take it into our own hands because, by golly, we deserve all these things. We deserve control. We know how to do right and wrong. We know what's good. And certainly some of the things that we face as we make our way through the creation, no, that's not how I want to do it. And so Jesus demonstrates their victory over temptation to get on about the Father's business, what he knew was going to be the ultimate source of his glory and praise. That's really interesting, uh, the thought that the temptation is really ultimately to circumvent God's plan. Even in the temptations we face is to not take up our cross daily. And follow Jesus. Yeah, and so we go to sleep, right? <laughs> we're supposed we're supposed to be praying, we're supposed to be praying, and we go and we go to sleep. Mm. So there is there is this comfort that we take in knowing that God understands. Jesus has faced everything that we faced. The intensity of Gethsemane. To me, it. I don't want to say anything that sounds blasphemous at all, but to me, the intensity of Gethsemane almost rivals the intensity of the cross up to the point of where there is that inexplicable separation of father and son that that we'll never be able to grasp what that is. But the other parts of the cross, you know, they may have, (laughs) they may have beaten blood out of Jesus, but he sweated blood in the garden. Yeah facing the temptation to circumvent the plan of God. To me, the bleeding in the garden for his spirit almost seems more agonizing than what was happening on the cross to his body. Anyway, we could go we could go a yeah, long way yeah. on that. So um, the next part of the answer to that is that God provides a success. <laughs> no, I'm getting more. No, we're good. We're good. Uh, that God provides... Uh, successful examples. In, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. Now, that's obviously there's many translations of that, and that's just the first part of that verse. But other people have been through this. you know. And the implication, at least, and if we take the context of everything that's going on, uh, they have faced this and come out victorious on the other side. This is not something, this is not, you're not the only one that's ever been tempted. Right. You're not the only one that's ever had a struggle. You're not the only one that's ever had the devil and his little demons dancing around with plates full of whatever your particular temptation is that comes from within you. You're not the only one that struggled with this. And they've come out the other side. So God provides these examples, this reality, that this is something that's not, this is not the nuclear option here. <laughs> this is common warfare. 
Okay. So other people have faced this, but here's the, here's the better part of that. It says, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted to bear more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out Mm -hmm. so that you can endure. So what, what an incredible promise. Now that's, that's a, that's a joyful celebratory promise. But when I've thought about that before, I'll I'll go to the heartbreaking part and then we'll circle back to the celebratory. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I didn't mean to use that phrase. Um, But um, here's the part that grips my heart always about that. Here's what that means. Every time that I have ever succumbed to temptation and sinned, my God, as in the middle of that said, here's a, here's a door. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Come with me. Yeah. My God who brings joy to my heart and who died for me and rose from the dead. <laughs> Every time that I have sinned, he has been there saying, here's the way out of this. You don't have to do this. You don't need to do this. I'll fulfill you. I'll meet your need. I'll take you down the right path. I'll show you the way of light. I'll, every time that I have sinned, I have turned willfully, not only fallen for the trick of the devil and allowed the lust from within me to win and the world to provide the mm. means for, for me to, to harm my fellowship and besmirch the reflection of my God, but I have turned away from my Lord who has said, Here, just, I got another path for you. Here's the way out. Right. So now the good part. I can trust that every single time that I'm tempted, every single time that I'm tempted, there is a way out. There will never, ever, <laughs> ever be a temptation that I will face that I can't get out of it, that I can't say no to. That that doesn't only mean like if, you know, if I'm walking through Walmart and I turn the corner back near the pet foods and some woman tries to jump my bones, that there's an aisle way I can run up, (laughs) you know, not that there's just a physical out, but there's a spiritual out. Yeah. There's a mental out. There's an emotional out. There's all of those things. It's not just saying there's a place that you can run, though certainly physical exit is a great Right. That's a great strategy, right? To fight temptation. Just, you know, turn it off, put it down, walk away, whatever it may be. But it's bigger than that. It's the spiritual, it's the emotional, it's the psychological, it's the cognitive, it's the everything way out that God gives us. So when I recognize that that the devil is appealing to my uh, self-centeredness, my jealousy, my entitlement mentality, my desire for power, my desire to do things my own way. When he's appealing to that and the world's saying, yeah, devil, here's the stuff to wave in front of this one for his eyes, for his flesh, for his pride. Uh, And and then there's this thing inside me, this old man that's still going, yeah, I'm still here. Remember me? Yeah, that looks pretty good. It's not going to hurt anything. There's the Holy Spirit that says, wait a minute, it's going to hurt a lot. And there's my Jesus saying, here's the way out. Really good. Good place to, uh, you know, to end this discussion, this two-part episode on temptation. Um, 
it's been a struggle to say the least this conversation <laughs> <laughs> yes it's it's um, hard to it, it will be hard to hear over the internet the yeah but it's such a sweet ending to think that God has promised us a way out. Yeah. He's promised us a way out. Yeah. <laughs> Praise him. And he's promised us a way out of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't I don't mean that. I think that I think that in the midst of the struggle that that God does great things spiritually. Yeah. Um, Cuz the devil doesn't win. No. The devil doesn't win. So if listeners can make it through the first part of this <laughs> and come back to the second, hopefully they'll find well, we hope. edification. Yeah, yeah, that's our, you know, I mean, we do this to glorify, honor God, to uh, make his name, make his word known. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think we're successful. Sometimes maybe not so much. I don't know. I, uh, um, even though this episode, these two episodes have been, uh, difficult more so than the others. Uh, hopefully, uh, folks find, uh, encouragement in this direction, um, you know, better understanding of, of the devil and his use of temptation and our own vulnerability within us yeah. to be tempted uh, and to, you know, be led into sin. But um, that's, that's, that's all we hope for. You know, if you've been encouraged by this, reach out to us. Uh, probably most of the people that listen to this podcast, we're going to set up an email address maybe by the next one where if you would like to contact us and give us some feedback, maybe some ideas on uh, subject matter, whatever. Um, we're we're not looking for subject matter. We got plenty of subject <laughs> matter, but we want to connect with folks that are you know find this podcast interesting, and uh, so we want to be able to respond to that kind of thing, give them an opportunity to be able to let us know. So uh, anyway, I've enjoyed it. Been really good, really good. God is so so good absolutely and, a, and a, an extremely vital fundamental part of our Christianity yeah alright my friend well let's call it a day and uh, I'll see you next time on Dead Men Talking